It's Blush. Blush Cameron. Uh, here with a new episode of my new podcast. What you just heard was a clip from um, my latest single called No One Knows, which is now available wherever you listen to music. Just search Blush Cameron and you'll find it. Um, today's guest is my pal and friend, Corey Gregory of the band Prince Daddy and the Hyena. I've had the pleasure of getting to know Corey over the past year uh, through our mutual friends in the band Strange Ranger. Uh, I've also had the opportunity to see Prince Daddy play a couple times now. and They're always amazing. Uh, I really like that band. And Corey's really fun to talk to. We share a lot of common interests when it comes to nerd hobbies. We definitely get into that in this episode. Just a heads up, it's a long one. We talked for nearly two hours over FaceTime, which I guess that's another thing to mention beforehand is we had some technical difficulties getting things started, but luckily Corey's done a million other podcasts and had a solution, which was to record our own audio and sync it up later. So that's what you hear in the beginning, is us syncing up our audio by clapping at a specific time. Um, yeah, it was a blast hanging out and chatting with him over the phone, and I hope you enjoy our conversation as well. Remember to hit me up at Blush Cameron everywhere, patreon.com slash blushcameron. Listen to my new song called No One Knows, and follow and support P. Daddy as well. Thanks guys, here's the show. Damn, there's always something I forget to mention. Um, there's some echo when I talk um, during the first half of this, but eventually it goes away. So if it bothers you, just bear with us because it uh, does get resolved. Thanks. I think that should be good. I mean, if That's it's not, perfect. then it'll be close enough. Yeah, it's close enough. We can make that work for sure. Absolutely. All right. So how's your quarantine been going? Uh, so far, so good. I'm doing, I'm chilling. I'm chilling. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm writing a lot of music. Some P. Daddy, some other stuff. Is that a room that in your house that I'm looking at? Yeah, yeah. This is... This is my quote-unquote studio. My brother moved out. Cause my brother had a kid and moved out, so I took his room and made it my my little uh, my workshop, Corey's little workshop. Nice. That looks. Yeah. It looks like a comfy uh, studio. It is. It's very comfy. I spend a lot of my time down here, especially nowadays. Consider all things considered, I feel like I'm losing. I'm losing days without knowing down <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, dude. I'm the same way. I have a, my sleep schedule like keeps flipping up and down. Like, you know, I keep going yeah. from sleeping all night and like having, I, when the quarantine started, my schedule was like weirdly normal. Cause I'm usually kind of a night owl anyways, but I don't know, something right. about the stress, like kept my body 
like way alert and so like i would wake up at like 8 a.m and then like not damn usually i like to take naps too during the day but then i wasn't able right. to like nap i was just up constantly and then yeah sleeping like at night and then waking up in the morning again it was really weird i feel you yo like i i feel like at this point like what are we like a month and a half in probably of, of like actually being like quarantine and stuff i feel like at this point it's like I literally do not have a sleep schedule. Also, like when my when uh, when tour got canceled from all this and stuff. As soon as I got home, I went I went to Walmart and got some necessities and stuff. You know, because mm-hmm. I, I obviously figured this was this was gonna be how it was gonna be. Mm-hmm. And one of the necessities I got was were blackout curtains for my room. Oh, dude, nice. <laughs> so like legit, like I I can sleep till like. I can wake up at midnight, I can wake up at noon, and I won't know the difference. So, like, for me, it's, like, I legit, like, also, like, obviously, I don't have a job right now, all things considered. So, like, I I legit don't, I just fall asleep when I'm tired. Like, I don't even know what time it is. Like, I just fall asleep. I love it. It's honestly, it's. I got black I hate to say too. it. Oh, fuck yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I hate to say it, but, like. There's part of me that's like thriving right now. I think, to be totally honest. Yeah. <laughs> obviously, obviously, very dark times. Like even dark for my mental health and stuff. But like, as far as like my productivity and stuff, I feel like I, I'm like actually like doing more now than I would have if everything were normal. Right. You mentioned that you're doing stuff other than P Daddy. What? Can you yeah. talk about that yet or what it kind of stuff? Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, nothing's like set in stone or anything. Like there's nothing to like spoil, but I'm, I'm working on like solo stuff. Um, try, trying to make that come to come into fruition. I'm trying, I'm trying my hand at like, um, scoring, like scoring film and TV and video games and whatever I had. To, I haven't done anything yet besides just practice. And I'm try- I'm definitely putting a lot of my uh, mental real estate into that aspect too. Just trying to uh, get my, get, you know, tr- try to make that happen a little bit. Because I'm to- I'm a noob when it comes to that. But yeah, I mean, I can as, s- as as you know specifically, I am very very. I I film is like a. I, I say a second passion, but honestly, like it is a tied first passion realistically mm-hmm. with music. So like, I just don't know anything about like the production of movies or anything. Right. So, so I'm not really involved in that world, but I like writing music and I like writing songs. So I'm just trying to like get involved the only way I, I know how. You yeah. Know? Yeah. What's your family like? Are they like uh, into the art as well? or Are they musical or anything like that? They're not musical but they are definitely appreciators they're definitely appreciators my dad especially actually my brother too my bro- my brother produces hip hop beats or like that was his main thing before he had a kid now he just does it kind of like recreationally but like before he had a kid he was like producing beats and stuff and a lot and then a lot of the stuff that i'm using now in this studio and a lot of like my little tips and tricks i definitely have learned from him but like my dad also just like is very passionate about music as a listener. Uh-huh. And uh my dad is responsible for getting me into like guitar music. Oh like, yeah. Yeah, he he bought like the first CD I ever owned uh 
this is a rough estimate. It's definitely probably like give or take a year or two, but I'd say like fifth grade, my dad gave me a, a Walkman and Green Day's International Super Hits, their greatest hits record. That was my first introduction. I mean, my, my introduction to like, quote unquote, my own music. Right, like, like obviously being a like, fan of music. Right. Like I've listened to like music in the car with my dad or my mom or whatever. But like as far as like having an album and like being like, oh, this is like Corey's music. You know what I'm saying? That that was it for me. And that was that was all because of my dad for sure. Yeah, it's so which wild is crazy. How like Green Day is like, you're not the first person to mention like Green Day as being the first band that they were like, you know, a really f- big fan of on this yeah podcast that's a uh, pretty interesting were you like online at all did you like did like you forms get... and green day forms and stuff well yeah yeah well uh, is that any, what you mean any type of online like did you discover music online did you were you on like myspace i feel or like this anything um this was so early on this was like i mean i'm young so not to sound like oh this was before social media because there was no before social media for me because i'm hella young i'm uh-huh. like 24 but okay. like um at this point when I when I when when I was first given this CD I d- I don't think I was like I mean it's possible I was like a lurker on MySpace like trying to discover music that way but I don't think I don't think so. I feel like at at this point it was definitely just like what the people around me introduced me to is what I had. But there was def- there was also like a point there came a point probably like years later when I was definitely lurking MySpace and stuff for uh-huh. p- like different like pop punk and punk bands and indie rock bands and stuff for sure. Right. Yeah. When did you like pick up a uh, guitar? Um, again, my father got me a guitar for Christmas one year. He got me like a, f- uh, Fender, sh- like, uh, not a Fender, like a, a Squire Strat, Stratocaster, Classic. which I actually still have up in my room mm-hmm. with some Hannah Montana stickers and stuff to show it's a product of its time. And, uh, I fiddled with that a little bit. I took lessons for a couple months. That didn't really work. I don't think I'm like, not really, um, like <laughs> this is going to sound, I-, I feel like this is going to sound weird, but like, I'm not like, educated in like the i'm not really educated in guitar to be honest i'm I'm not i'm just like uh i'm educated i'm not like uh classically trained or anything like i I can't read music or anything like that dude i'm like terrible at music theory i've always been so bad at it i don't understand it's beyond me no i have i I, legit same like i i just like and honestly if i'm being like totally transparent like i don't really like feel the urge to get familiar with it to be totally honest because mm-hmm. i feel like i'm like totally capable of like doing what i want with a guitar or with a piano or with my voice yeah without like all these years i've done it without it so like i don't really like the push isn't there for me to learn it you know because like what i want to do i can do and that's yeah. just like express myself creatively the only time i ever wish i knew it was when i'm like working with other musicians on something and like struggling to like explain a concept you know with like vocabulary and terminology yeah, and stuff. yeah yeah no absolutely that's that's it for me too like while we we're recording like trying to like explain my vision or whatever is like very hard considering like 
all I have is like this weird colorful vocabulary of my own, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it's like I, it kind of sounds like, like this, and it's, you know. It's right, like, yeah. But I honestly feel like that, like it kind of sounds like this, blah, 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 and like using your own, like, your own terminology is definitely using that to someone who understands music theory is easier to understand than explaining music theory to someone who doesn't, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. In my, I mean, that's how it is for me at least, you know, like when someone describes shit to me in like, like Cameron, our guitarist doesn't know music theory at all either. None of us do really actually. And, and, and like, we obviously are able to communicate our, our wants and needs with each other. And like, I feel like if, it were any other way like I, I don't think I don't think I would we would be able to like have the chemistry we have if there was like this like separation of like oh play in this scale right here blah 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 you know like we like none of us know what the fuck any of that means like not not to not to talk down on people who do because I think that's mm-hmm. that's dope like that's a language in itself but mm-hmm. I uh yeah like I think uh as far as like prince daddy and rock music i think i i um know what i need to know and the only things i like learn learn now is like um creative things not really like theoretical things right like um, influences and like tape like expanding taste and stuff like that exactly yeah yeah that's that's, like that that that's what i'm like quote-unquote learning now yeah that's interesting because i definitely noticed when i was going through and re-listening to all the prince daddy stuff like i can hear when you're like expanding influences and adding different you know tastes and stuff into the especially cosmic thrill seekers but We'll talk about that when we get there. Um, right on. Did you did you have any bands before Prince Daddy? Prince Daddy is my first band. I wow. uh, I like there was this guy named Steve Lehman who was like my close friend for a little bit. Who um, he like did acoustic like singer songwriter stuff, and I used to throw shows at my at my parents' house, this house, and. Um, he was like the like go-to local opener so like we became kind of like close and we like jammed like three or four times like i was playing guitar he was playing drums but i never the first songs i ever wrote are out there on the internet as prince daddy and the hyena yeah so how did prince daddy form then like what is there an origin story at all and what was it the lineup that it is now when it started um the origin story is a lot of credit due credit is due to the ice house, which is what we called our house when we threw shows. Uh, that's where I met like all the people who played in Prince Daddy at first, all the like all the people who like offered us our first tours and stuff. Is that our in bands Albany? that played here? It's it's in a suburb outside of Albany called Cohoes. So yeah, tech, it's in Albany pretty much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like everything, everything stemmed from the ice house, which, um, one of the, another one, like I had these like certain local bands that like, if I couldn't find another local band, I'll hit up this, like, for lack of a better term, like stock 
local band, you know, like mm-hmm. who I, like I'm close with them. I know they'll play whatever, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And one of which was a band called Louder Now, which is a, yes, it is a Taking Back Sunday reference. Nice. And um, that had, uh, that had two fourths of the original P Daddy lineup in it. And um, it just kind of happened because I was by myself writing songs. I went to a different school than all the kids who played my house because I grew up in a different uh, suburb. So, I, like, no one who came to shows at my house went to the same school as me. Mm. Besides, like, my close friends, like, my, like, little circle. But it just, like, lined up because most of the bands who came through, like, the touring acts were at least, like, four or five years older than me. You know, like, they were established musicians, blah, blah, blah. I was, like, 17. Like, I was, like, about to graduate high school. I was still in high school, probably. And um, this band, Louder Now was were kids my age and would like whenever they'd play we'd ha- we'd have shit to talk about you know like it wouldn't just be like holy shit like your band is sick thank you for playing in my house it would be like like have you played this video game like or like have you read this comic like what what movies have you been watching that kind of thing like we we connected on that level on a different level than just like a fan to a band, you know, whereas like, obviously like, like now it's different. Cause like now I'm older. So like a lot of the people I met through the ice house, I do consider friends, but like, let's say like when the, like the fucking hotelier played here, it's not like we're becoming like bros, you know, like I was like fanboying to them, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Whereas like these people, it was like, all right, y'all are my peers. Like we can, do this and I was writing songs at the time anyways I just never had anyone to share them with so I would show it to them and then they do that and then they do their thing and then that was Cameron and Zachariah and Zachariah's not in the band anymore they just left recently to to focus on their own stuff I remember hearing about that yeah they just left focus on their solo project which is fucking awesome I feel like you'd like it actually what is it called you like it's called I Feel Okay. Cool. Do you like like Spirit of the Beehive, like that kind of shit? Yeah, I feel like yeah, you do, yeah. probably, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's very influenced by that and uh, definitely very, very impressively good at what they do. Sweet. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. I remember them yeah, being like a rocks. really chill person a couple times that we hung out. They're so. honestly, they're very great. They're a very great human. No, obvi- Obviously... I feel like anyone listening knows this, but there's, it was not a weird falling out there. It was just a different priorities kind of thing. That's cool. I did. So was, um, so was adult summers the first thing you ever put out? Or was there something before that? There was something before we put out adult summers, but we kind of, well, we're trying to, we're trying to, uh, retcon it a little bit (laughs) oh yeah uh yeah um it's just like uh obviously like i like i said in this already even i I, like these are my first songs i've ever written Mm -hmm. like this is the first band i've ever been in so like that was a point when like it was just like okay here's like 
three awesome musicians who are also my friends. Like, let's just like, I don't know. Like, let, 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 let's just make, make it happen, you know? But there was not much, um, there wasn't much merit to it. And I wouldn't say it came from, came directly from the heart either. I feel like it was, listening back on it now it feels artificial so I, I i kind of tried to retcon it take it off Bandcamp and stuff because it, it it doesn't seem very real to me as as cory gregory uh-huh yeah um i mean i it, i don't blame you i mean my the first music i made was uh you know not great and didn't really hold up but i you know i think adult summers holds up surprisingly well for being you know even the just the second thing that you made See, okay, here's the fun fact about that that I feel like will change what you uh, you, will change what you have to say about this and might fuck up some of your questions. Okay, go ahead. Our first LP, I thought you didn't like leaving, was recorded far, far. It was recorded, mastered, finished, right? It it was written. It was it was all finished. Far before we even consider, we before we even knew what Adult Summers was. Whoa! But the label we were working with at the time was a complete shit show. Broken World. Broken World Media, yeah, it was like it, which was our introduction to like the quote unquote like biz, the industry. Mm-hmm. So that kind of sucked, but obviously we got over it. But um, it was a sh- it was like it was like pretty ugly, like like. I'm glad the music industry doesn't work in the way they made it seem like it worked. If that makes sense. Can you explain? Um, can you explain who Broken World was and like what happened with them? You say who? Who can you? Are you able to explain who Broken World was as a label and like what? It, I only vaguely um, remember it being like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't want like want to like talk too much shit because like. I also feel like at the time like they were super like hip and relevant. Yeah. So the fact that like they did anything at all, like them having their name, like like them like us having the Broken World Media logo on our on Adult Summers, mm-hmm. I feel like that was even game changing. Like even though that didn't take work on their part, like it's still like changed the game for us because then people th- th- there's a sense of credibility to that because it's um. It was an old member of the world is that they, they 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 the world is a beautiful place and I'm no longer afraid to die that band right, and yeah. um they 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 they've been they're long out of that band because of uh various reasons but um didn't they like get connect- like up some major label money to pump into the broken world brand or something like that Honestly, I wouldn't fucking know. Like, like we it we were very uninvolved. Like, like, like when I say like their label, like their their logo was on our tape. That's the extent of it. Like, wow. there, there was no there was no money being pushed around. There was no communication. There was no there was no anything. It was it was really weird. Hmm. But um, we got connected through them because, I mean, like I said, most of the connections I made were through the Ice House. The world has played my house a couple times. Uh, a couple of broken world bands played my house a couple times, and like I just made connections and friendships and stuff, and that led to that. But yeah, that was like a weird. Uh, 
That's definitely also something that I wish we could retcon is that <laughs> that was with Broken World Media because like now we're like the 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 uh, established relationship we have with our current label is like so incredibly special like the pers- the head of our of of Counterintuitive Records who put out our past couple and re-released our Broken World Records and did and does everything. He's also our manager. He's also like my best friend. Like we we like talk like throughout every day. Like there's not a time we we go without talking like at least once a day. How know? did you meet like, Jake from Counterintuitive? Um he uh it actually is kind of a funny story. Well, I met him once, but it didn't really count cuz neither of us really remembered each other. So we'll we'll discount that part. I just don't I just want don't want to pretend like I don't know this if you're listening, Jake. <laughs> but yeah, I know we met that one time, but that doesn't count. But at uh South by Southwest one year, um our first year probably. He um he was a fan of our band. So he had a conversation with me, blah blah blah, and we had, like it was a gr- good conversation you know it was a normal like sick like hell yeah like we're acquaintances now kind of conversation and then at the end of it he asked if i could borrow his charger his phone my phone charger even though he didn't need it just because he wanted an excuse to talk to me the next day Whoa. and then the next day we were talking and that and literally the conversation that stemmed from him giving me back my charger led to him being like, yo, honestly, y'all are chill. Can I just like finish this tour with you once South by ends? Oh my God. And all of us, and all of us were like, fuck yeah, dude, hop in. Like this was very early. This was like 2016, maybe, maybe, maybe 17. But, um, probably march 2017 yeah yeah, yeah. march 2017 and um yeah he finished the tour with us it it was fucking like we hit it off and before that tour ended we signed off for him to re-release adult summers because at that point broken world was already like we were already aware that like broken world was not gonna happen like this is not working you know like this is Mm -hmm. like there's no reason for us to be on this label so before like within like six days of him being in the van with us and seven days of meeting him wow we signed a contract for him to press the seven inch of adult summers which broken world never did they only did tapes because they did not give a shit about us yeah man well that's a really magical story with jake that's awesome it, it truly 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 is like i we we both we both reminisce about that and are like holy shit glad that happened (laughs) yeah dude for real yeah uh so you thought you didn't like leaving was the first thing that you did pretty much that's the the first thing on the first thing on the record you know yeah yeah. i mean adult summers came out first right because because i got got sidetracked Yeah, yeah, yeah um broken world like we had the masters we gave the masters of I thought I didn't like leaving to Broken World and they were like sick. It's awesome. Can't wait to release this. And they waited a year and a half to release it Shh. after they had the masters. So we were like, fuck this. Let's just write an EP. And we wrote Adult Summers. Wow. So that's, yes, that's that. That'd be so frustrating. 
it was incredibly frustrating. So we were just like, let's just write a fucking EP and just put it on Did they even say when they were going to release it? They're just like They did, it? but every month they'd be like, all right, let's wait two more months. All right, let's wait three more months. Blah, blah, blah. Insane. Like, and it, it, was, it was very messy. It was very messy. It wasn't like toxic or anything, but it was definitely like messy that for, for yes. lack of a better term it was just messy so yeah. how did thought you didn't like leaving come together how did you record you recorded the headroom yeah. in philly what was mm -hmm. that like it was fucking great it was like we had the necessary push because i i feel like it was probably just me and zachariah who were huge fans but i was like we were huge fans of joe reinhardt who recorded it he uh -huh. works at the headroom uh-huh what else has he done he well he plays guitar he played guitar in that band algernon that algernon cadwallader yes right he plays guitar currently in Hopalong, and he produces all kinds of sick records like he did um never hung over again by joyce manor Hell yeah, yeah. I, which, yeah. Is, which is a big one for us. The headroom is definitely legendary. I have a couple friends yeah. that work there now, and uh, I would love I to. I mean, our current producer work is like, I think he either works there or is like an intern. He works there. He he. My, our current like producer guy who we like go to, who's like, you know, like our go-to, like, let's record a song guy. His name is Scoops. He works at the headroom now. I've heard which is Scoops' great. name before. He's great. He's like one of my best friends ever he recorded cts he recorded adult summers he recorded the thrashville songs he's uh, he's like someone he's another person i talk to like every single day he's like part of the team you know that's sick so what yeah. was the songwriting process like during that time for you and for the band for i thought you didn't like leaving yeah um i would say pretty similar to cts and now i feel like not much has changed as far as the like composition aspect um well first of all something to mention that i think is fun is uh the album the the the, the ep demo thing whatever that we are attempting to retcon uh-huh two songs off of that are on i th i thought you didn't like leaving which we, ones? We, um, on I thought it, they're called different things. I think actually, to be honest, I forget what they're called on that because we deleted them off Bandcamp. But on I thought I didn't like leaving. They're called Nika's got it all wrong. I think. Mm -hmm. And Brock Chad. Those two songs are initially from our first little demo thing that we recorded in my high school buddy's basement. Oh yeah. But we don't talk about that one. <laughs> yeah. Um A lot of it is just me like at the time I worked at at the time I had like I I was working at Panera I think. But like when I wasn't I I I I I wasn't like really like much of a go-getter. Like I I was kind of a hermit. Uh, and this is also like probably like a lot like I'd say like 30 to 50% of those songs were written before I graduated high school oh really so like yeah um, it, it's mostly just like me those 
were me on GarageBand just kind of trying to re- like uh, emulate everything that like Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day or Rivers Cuomo from Weezer or like stuff like that, like trying to like emulate stuff like that, like the stuff that I knew, you know? Yeah. So what kind of like motivated you to start like pursuing it as like a serious or like at least on a more like um you know like what kind of drove you to tour and uh release albums and Um, really like take it seriously as a band well a i love music like it it was a passion before i took it seriously so before i move on to my next answer i want to make that clear that like it, it it is definitely like a huge like i've always been like it's been a dream of mine since I was probably 13 and my dad got me that strat, but I also didn't, I wanted an excuse not to go to college (laughs) (laughs) and and like I had, I had these songs. So I was like, let's, uh, let's go on tour. And like we toured before our first song came out. Our, our, our first show was our first day of our first tour, like in Connecticut somewhere. That is wild. And I guess that you had the connections to, you know, get those shows right. from the house yeah. that you ran, right? That's exactly what it was. Like that that's what made it possible for us to do something as as dumb as that was just like we knew people from here, we could ask them about people from there, blah blah blah, and like just one thing led to another where it's just like let's just do this, you know? As Dave Grohl would say, let's just hop into a van and yep. do it as dave Grohl, <laughs> dave Grohl knows how to do it we're taking cues from dave yeah i mean i guess to be fair dave probably did have experience doing that in the early days uh right for sure but, absolutely you know by uh, the way i'm not shit talking i love foo fighters foo fighters is sick but it, did you see that like uh the flyer that they came out with for like one of their shows is or like they were doing like a van tour or something like very recently. Yes, and it was like a GMC like fifteen passenger van, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're like downsizing from their mega massive, you know, luxurious tour bus like getting back in the I van. bet it's like just like they're like filling bassist and a driver in that van, the rest of them were flying in private jets. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um so like d- this is messy now because of Adult Summers. Yeah, I'm a little, my notes are a little bit mixed up. So you, so you. you guys are being held back by Broken World. You get yes. Adult Summers out. How do you feel then? What's going on at that point? And what's going on leading up to like the actual release of Thought You Were Leaving? They thought you didn't like. Well, leaving. Adult Summers coming out was kind of a huge deal, honestly. Even though it was like kind of a makeshift EP, like. First off, I'm really proud of that record. I don't mean to like undersell it. I like I like those songs a lot. But yeah, it holds up. Like that was like that, that was like a very makeshift thing for us. Like we were like, all right, let's write five songs and um you know, like combat whatever Broken World is holding us back from. And so releasing that under the Broken World name was our first thing released under any label's name. So like that alone got us like s- some credibility you know yeah mm-hmm. so like when we started touring off that there's like at every show we we would play there's like at least i'd say like at least five people up front with knowing the lyrics which like i know doesn't sound like a lot but at the time that was like 
this is fucking crazy. Like this, this, this is a dream come true, you know, to have five people in like a random city that know your lyrics. That was crazy. Yeah, absolutely. But um, that came out, and then we went on our we went on tour with our first tour that we did was a space camp, and then we went on tour with a band called Posture and the Grizzly, who was another Broken World band, who are great. You should check them out. They still exist to a degree. Hmm. Um. And then leading up to the record, like, I think while this tour was happening, probably the first single and music video came out for the record. We, um, my, I had this friend from, from an old band called State Lines who used to play in my house a lot. And he just started a, a new band called Oso Oso. And Oso Oso took us out on our first Flea US tour. Wow. Yeah. That was, that our, we, it was like, it was like 50 days long uh we did yeah, yeah we, we and like as that was happening i think the rollout for the record was starting to happen like music videos and singles and stuff and the announcement and yeah that was kind of that was our at the time that was our big break you know yeah that's sick that you guys have really stuck together since then too oh yeah he he like i mean even before that honestly he he's been like one of the first people who have come through the house that have like uh treated treated me like a peer you know mm-hmm. rather than like just someone doing him a favor like i feel like we like connected and stuff and yeah that's really important yeah like as uh, like as you just said like we to this day like i'm like best friends with like, he's like probably like one of my best friends ever like we we were recording we were recording a cover today for a tribute compilation for Fountain Wayne what's the cover yeah, of uh it's the fountains of wayne song uh mexican wine we're doing Dude. together for for a compilation that'll be sick yeah i'm really excited Dude, yeah it's really like easy to see house venues and the people that run them as sort of disposable or just like a necessity and mm-hmm. like it can be hard to even if you don't see them that way sometimes it's hard to like make a sincere connection with them right yeah, just because maybe you're not into the same stuff necessarily, but you need a place to play, and they want people to play. How? What was like your experience in general running a house like that? Was it hard? I mean, would everything you, ever, you just you said was again? definitely. I would never do it again. No, <laughs> that that I can say for sure. But what you just said was like all very relevant and true. But um. I don't think like no one's ever like come through the house and like straight up like disrespected us or anything like that. I don't think, not that I can think of, but, um, yeah, there's just certain people that like love your band and then you meet and it's like, we don't have a connection, blah, blah, blah. But like, that's just, that's real life. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's like, there's plenty of bands that like play at my house who like, at this point I don't have a lasting relationship with. Mm-hmm. But I still, I still like throwing their records and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. like it, but, um, yeah. Can you talk about the, like, uh, the green Prince daddy hoodie? <laughs> uh, how did I that, mean, how did that happen? That thing, like I've seen every, every show there were kids with that hoodie for me in Michigan yeah. anyways. Wait, you're in Michigan right now? No, when I was in Michigan. Oh, okay, got you. Before, um, you know, before I was living in Michigan before this. Right. Um, 
I honestly don't know. I'm so grateful. I feel like it has turned into this separate entity. Like I feel like people want that hoodie and they don't even know who we are, <laughs> which is really cool. Um, I don't know why though. It just, uh, how did that logo happen? That logo is literally just what's on front of adult summers. Like it, it's literally just how our name is written on adult summers. So it just happened. And we just put uh, at, at the time of releasing that with, uh, I think probably when we released it with counterintuitive. Yeah. Like we really, we, we dropped that hoodie and it just happened. Yeah. Our uh-huh. friend Brett from the band, um, mineral girls did, um, did the layout for that EP. And I was just like, can you send me like the PD, like whatever it's called, the, the Photoshop file of that logo, just so we can like put it on like some shirts and shit. It's like, sure, whatever. And then he did it. And, uh, yeah, that that happened. I don't know. I I don't know how. I'm very grateful cuz it 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 is it pays for me to eat. But um <laughs> that's sick, dude. Yeah. Okay, so thought you didn't like leaving comes out. And you're touring a lot. Are right, how do you, when do you begin writing for the next and do you start like conceptualizing what you're going to release next or how I know that now that's what I call music 420 mm-hmm. comes out next but are you thinking about like the next release at that point or are you just yeah. writing songs no no i'm definitely i'm definitely conceptualizing at that point i i'd say realistically um like the first few songs off of cosmic thrill seekers were, were written before i thought it even came out like i lost my life was actually definitely written i feel like you can find a post on facebook of us posting the demo of, of the first song off Cosmic Thrill Seekers. And that's before even Adult Summers came out, probably. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. And I, 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 I definitely am the kind of person who considers myself like an album writer rather than just like a songwriter, if that makes sense. Interesting. Like, I, I, I definitely go into it. Um, with an overall idea rather than just like this two minute snapshot, you know, like I feel, I feel like in order for me to get to the two minute snapshot, I need to know, um, it's purpose. If if that sounds super pretentious, I know, but like, I I, I feel it just helps me as, as like, as a creative entity, it definitely helps me to like, um, make sure everything carries its own weight, you know, rather than just like, I'm sad. Here's two and a half minutes of me describing my sadness, you know, like yeah. it, it, it helps to like have, um, uh, a, a, a greater purpose in mind for each yeah. little chapter. I think you can hear it. And I think that's what, you know, makes your guys stuff, uh, unique. Um, thank you. So how did, how did now that I know it's going to be Thrashville. Yeah. Originally. That was like, a, yep. Mm hmm. And so how did it come? So you guys just got asked to get on this split with yeah. uh, Prince of Vernon or Prince of Vernon, uh, pictures of Vernon <laughs> and, uh, Os- and mom, mom jeans. jeans. Yeah, mom mom jeans. Jeans. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah. So like we had this EP written out, which was like very loosely a like prologue to cosmic thrill seekers called Thrashville. It was like five songs long. 
and then we like recorded scratch tracks of those five songs and we were like you know what two of these songs aren't that great let's cut two of them so we so we're like let's release a three track ep and then we're like okay thrashville's three songs long now and then our buddies in mom jeans hit us up who were a way bigger like they were like a way bigger band than us at the time i mean they still are but like at the time as well they were like a way bigger band than us so we were like you know what let's just choose the two best songs and reach the biggest audience we can possibly reach with these songs and so we dropped the idea for the ep and just put those songs on there and that's how that came about. And I'm very grateful because that I feel like a lot of people listen to those songs now. Those songs rule, I gotta say. Thank you. I was, yeah, I'm really proud of those songs. I, I love those songs. How did it... Did, uh, do, you, do you smoke a lot of weed? And uh, were you smoking a lot of weed at the time when that album came about? <laughs> at the time, I would say absolutely, certainly, yes. I was probably... <laughs> uh, I was smoking a lot. Does that like, I feel like does that influence that? like your writing at all? Um only in the sense that like I feel like to a certain extent I'm like I I am very like literal writer like I I I write about what's in front of me like what I like what's happening right now like there's metaphors in there but all the metaphors are like very like it's very direct, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I feel like in that sense, I mean, like, like obviously when writing, I thought, you know, like leaving, I was smoking a lot of fucking weed. That's why there's so many, like, that's why I talk about weed on it. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Like stuff like that. It's like, it's like, I definitely like, that's the only way that it inspires me. It doesn't inspire my songwriting in like the, the actual like compositional sense. I see. Like, uh, like if, if I'm stoned versus if I'm sober, I don't think the song I'm writing will be different besides the fact that like lyrically I'd be talking about being stoned or being sober. You know? That's pretty interesting. Cause I mean, you're right. Like you de- your lyrics are definitely literal and what's in front of you, but then you also have like the higher conceptual part of the album right. itself. And that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's pretty it's definitely interesting. there for sure. It's that, 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 the, 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 um, the big picture concept is definitely there, even though I'm writing very literal and direct. I feel like I, like I said, like I still need to, um, they need to hold their own outside of just like, okay, this is two and a half minutes of what Corey's feeling. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Which is like kind of how they are sometimes. Cause I, cause I do write literal and direct, but in order for me to be like proud of it and to, and for it to age well in my head, I need it to like, serve a greater purpose than just like this is this is what i'm feeling yeah. you know what i'm saying so how were you feeling then at the end of 2017 and throughout 2018 what was going on for you that's hard i have such a terrible memory because at this time i was smoking so much fucking <laughs> weed um well i know that at some point between then and cosmic thrill seekers and we don't have to talk about this and I can cut this out if you want but I know you had a thing with Kississippi and you got like engaged at some point yes I did you don't have to cut this out that's totally fine um yes that that was uh I'd say that was probably later than I'm trying to think 
We got engaged at Fest 20... I don't remember. It must have been honestly. 2018, but right? 18, 18. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and Zoe from Kississippi, which is a great band, were engaged for a second. It didn't work out, but that's okay. We're still very, very close friends. We talk every day, blah, blah, blah. There's, there's no, there's no weirdness there if mm -hmm. that's what you're if, if that's why you were with us you're wondering yeah yeah i mean um, i didn't want to like you know yeah no you're not you're not you're not overstepping any boundaries or anything there's nothing weird there that that happened for sure which is a big thing on the record i'm writing right now um, so it hasn't been it hasn't made it into the cycle of the new songs no yet. i'd say if anything the the positive the the first half of that the positive half of that made it into the cycle was made on like was definitely um made its way into the cts the cosmic thrill seekers um writing like um like besides i don't know how familiar you are with our music but for anyone listening like besides the first two lines of the song lauren that song's not about lauren like that's oh, that, <laughs> oh, there you go. yeah yeah <laughs> Like that that hook is is the only part that I wrote at that point. The rest of it was written uh just kind of from the um having the mind frame of, you know, being in the in that uh state of uh being distracted from your problems due to a romantic interest, you know. Mm -hmm. And at, and at that time the romantic interest was 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 uh Zoe, not not Lauren. Lauren was just What was that Lauren like? Is a, did what did it, did it feel kind of like a, being in like a power couple? Like what was, how did it feel with the kind of attention that it kind of brought? A little, um, I don't really know. Did it affect it at all? It made it, it made it more weird than it had to be when it ended. Mm. If that made sense. Mm -hmm. Like, like when it ended, like it was, it, it was like a no, no, there were there's absolutely no bad blood like, like sure. I, I literally like like before this podcast i was i was talking to zoe like, like, like it's 100 percent like i'll chill it's just like you know something just don't work mm -hmm. but like when it's when it's public like that there's definitely like um just this sort of awkwardness of people like guessing and stuff and right. it's like i get it like i i would probably be guessing and stuff if like fucking billy joe armstrong and his wife broke up you know but like at the same time, I'm not going to, like, go to the Prince Daddy group on Facebook and address it, you know? That's just yeah. weird. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no like, announcement for the breakoff, you know? Right. Like, there was exactly. for the announcement of the engagement itself. Exactly. Right. It ended before Cosmic Thrill Seekers came out? No, it ended... Cause I didn't, you know, I didn't even know until recently. I was like, wait a minute, they haven't, I haven't seen them together recently. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, no, it, 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 we were together when CTS came out. Um, she actually did all the artwork for it. She's, she's on it. Oh really? She, she, I know she that she's on, on it. I think. Yeah, yeah, she sings on the record a little bit. She, she, all the artwork, all the layouts and stuff for that record and that tour surrounding it were done by her, which are fucking phenomenal. Shouts out. You should hire her for whatever you have to do. Uh -huh. But, um, it ended halfway through the tour. We did supporting, uh, cosmic throw seekers. Okay. Is, yeah. 
Yeah. So can you so tell me about how did like how did Cosmic Thrill Seekers come together as a concept for you and like when um what was the process of uh recording it like and what was the rollout like? Um Yo, can I go pee real yeah, quick? Yeah, yeah, I'll do be it two up. seconds. Yeah, okay. My bad. You can cut that out. You can keep that. It's up to you. Alright, so where were we? Um, yeah, it's just I, I wanted to know about like how Cosmic Thrill Seekers came together for you as an idea and what was the recording process like. And um, um, You mentioned that some of the songs were written way before. Like years before, is that? Yeah, I mean, just overall, like the the, the the as an album, it was definitely conceptualized before our first record came out. Yeah, it. Um, wow. It. Uh, I'm sorry. Can you repeat the question? My bad. I just uh, am curious, like how. Cosmic Thrill Seekers came together, the background, yeah. like, um, how is it recorded? So, the initial, um, I don't know the exact time frame, the, the, the time frame of this, but the initial, like, catalyst for, um, like, my motivation behind Cosmic Thrill Seekers as an entity at large was a, a bad acid trip I had. Uh, yeah and um so i had that and just kind of like the next day i found myself like not really like coming down as much as i uh was was praying for if that makes uh sense and Uh um Somehow Wizard of Oz found its way on my TV and in my altered state of mind, I made some weird um, connections and and parallels to the um, trajectory of Wizard of Oz, which led to me like, which led to me more easily like uh, mapping out and organizing my ideas as far as this record. Mm-hmm. I def I I use Wizard of Oz as like a a blueprint like a, a um an outline for the for the record. So ju- just in case there's for some reason that somebody that's listening to this and like doesn't isn't familiar and they're just listening for fun, can you explain like what the story is and like are you able to do that concisely? Um, I can try. I can definitely try. Um. Because it's a con- it's a concept album. It is. It is a concept album. In my head, I feel like there's there's plenty of interpretations of this, and I I wouldn't say any of them are wrong. But in my head, while writing this, I would say it was a concept record where I um, dissect my mental health and the cyclical nature of my mental health through the lens of the story told in the wizard of oz so um do you want me to get it to get into like what that means as far as like the albums cycle yeah, the album story um yeah 
Okay, so first off, to preface everything, I'm everyone. I'm Dorothy. I'm the Scarecrow. I am the Tin Man. I am the Lion. I, 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 it's a it's a very selfish record, and every, every character in the story is me. Uh-huh. But um, so I just found a, a certain parallel aspect to from the Wizard of Oz to uh, the cyclical way that my mental health seems to work since like graduating high school and stuff where um it's like three phases which are the f- the three uh, acts of the record which is um the first one is the heart and that is just the um being driven by um I want to say like romantic interest and stuff, but I don't think it's limited to that. I think just like mm-hmm. being driven by um, uh, just whatever you're passionate about, you know. Like I, I guess, I guess, I guess, ma- like being manic is is, is where mm-hmm. I was at that point. Just like ha- having this, having this certain something to uh, have my focal point and put all my effort and resources and energy into, which is probably the healthiest portion of the story even though it's not entirely healthy it's pro- it's uh-huh. it's probably i don't know obsessive or manic like i said or whatever you know like like there's definitely uh-huh. unhealthy aspects to it but it is probably the most positive aspect of the story and then that leads into the brain which is um kind of the isolated part of the story the um like uh Damn, I haven't talked about this record in a while. This is this is fun. This is fun to revisit. Um, Good, yeah, I'm having fun listening. Yeah, I, it's it's been a long time. Um, the brain is more like the isolated, like um, the anxious portion of the story, like the the the, the, the um, not leaving your house kind of uh, kind of fading into the abyss and losing your friends portion of the story and then like falling too deeply into manic or like coming down from the mania or uh is it something i think it's all it's all very like that's a good question because i think it's every act is very reactionary to the one before it or every phase i should say is very reactionary to the one before it so i've gathered from writing this record it's like uh like so the manic thing is there like it's like all in my head i convince myself everything's all pretty and colorful and and perfect and stuff and then that leads to me being kind of like obsessive to the like of maintaining it Mm. of maintaining that 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 kind of like what feels like positive energy Mm -hmm. so that that kind of subconsciously leads into the brain chapter of the story which is me kind of like holding myself in a room holding myself in my own head kind of like obsessively um being anxious and uh apprehensive uh to about the future Mm -hmm. because i am because i uh made the mistake of um getting so comfortable and uh not happy but um optimistic and mm-hmm, uh, and, mm-hmm. and uh that that isolation eventually subconsciously gets combated by 
what I what I described as the roar phase, which is like the lion from the Wizard of Oz who uh, uh, tries to like convince himself of uh, some kind of spontaneity or like courage, which is definitely the most like fucked up portion of the story, which is like to combat isolation in the most like radical way is to like to me at least like it in, in my experience living through this cycle like probably three or four times at this point has been like um uh like doing a lot of drugs and not really um just saying yes to everything if that makes sense like 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 just like um self-destructive like like mm. like like my, my my initial like reactionary response to being this little hermit this little recluse is like when when the boiling point finally hits it's like what are you gonna do what is the opposite of that what is like the antagonist of that which is the lion which is the one who like is looking for courage in this spontaneity which and is like uh just like just as as self-destructive as can possibly be, you know? Like, never sleeping, doing a lot of drugs, drinking a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Just saying yes, doing, just being irresponsible and not really having um, inhibitions besides um, getting your heart rate up, you know? Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, that yeah. sounds familiar to me right yeah as someone that also struggles with uh you know depression and uh mania and all these you know anxiety i have terrible anxiety yeah it sounds like the type of you know and drug abuse as well you know it sounds like the cycle that i think a lot of people are familiar with and like at the end of the record it, it, it it we we intentionally added a seamless loop back into the first song because that uh self destructiveness eventually comes to a point when you've uh when that is the cause of your anxiety and that brings you back to to square one where you're looking for that kind of relief and optimism again after kind of like pushing your pushing your body and your brain to the limit in that roar phase and then you get brought back to the to the heart phase which is you kind of uh being driven by um you know all the things I said before, romantic interests or passions or whatever. Yeah, it's it's interesting how the the album flows like sonically, like the songs, it, the sequences like make sense. Did you write the? Do you write the lyrics as you're writing the song, or do you go back and revise the lyrics when you have like the plot more in mind? Well. The plot is definitely in mind as I'm even writing mm-hmm. a chord progression or a drum beat. You know, I, I feel like I'm not really writing, I'm not writing music unless I have that overall arc in mind. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, definitely, I definitely, like, lyrics are last for me. Pretty pretty much always, I'd say. I, I'd say 90% of the time, like, specific lyrics come last. However, uh-huh. I, I never, ever, ever write a song without knowing what it's about. But, like, I'll write a song without okay. knowing what the lyrics are. You know what I'm saying? I'll right, just, like, right. I'll, I like, see. have, like, a random journal entry or something that has a certain thematic aspect to it. And I'll write a song, and then I'll take that journal entry and, like, 
Like realistically, nothing from the journal entry makes it into the song, but it was at least the inspiration. And I can like just take that journal entry and like edit, 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 edit to the point where it's like, it fits the melody I've written. Like the theme is still there, blah, blah, blah. You know? Do you bring like uh, song ideas to the group or like, do they have a hand in writing at all? Um, or do you just like write the song and say, yo, we should, this is the song we got to learn now. I, I write like 80% between like 70 and 90% of the song. I'd say I, I, I write, I write on like, I'll write the melody and the chord progression stuff on acoustic guitar. And then like, I'll make a day out of like demoing it out on pro tools or garage band or logic or reason or whatever. And I'll like write the drum beat. I'll write the bass line. I'll write the second guitar part, flesh out the melody. And then I will show them the demo and kind of have them learn it. Mm-hmm. So to that, to that extent, I, I, I just, I just kind of write it all, but uh-huh. obviously they are all their own musicians. So when I teach them a part, they definitely 100% add a flavor like add whatever whatever like need be to the part that was mm-hmm. not there before like like w- without w- without Cameron playing guitar without Zachariah playing bass without uh, Daniel playing drums those parts would have been different regardless of the fact that I wrote them if that makes sense yeah yeah no I think I can hear it I mean not being overly familiar outside of you know not being familiar with what everyone has done outside of Prince Daddy I can tell mm-hmm that yeah. it wouldn't be the same with different members. It definitely, even though I, 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 I am very like um, OCD with my songwriting and, and like take control over every aspect, I feel, I feel like once I teach it to them, it becomes a whole different being than, than like pressing play on my, on my Pro Tools demo, you know? Like it, 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 yeah. be, it becomes a whole different like, living entity that that didn't exist prior to teaching them you know and wouldn't exist if i taught it to any other musicians right yeah and i've all you know i I mentioned at the beginning that i can hear as i listen through the albums and get up to cosmic thrill seekers i can hear how your taste had expanded by that point for sure do you feel like it did and like was there any what kind of stuff were you like listening to or like what music was influencing you at the time do you remember at the time of writing cosmic thrill seekers yeah well to answer the first half of that question 100 percent my my influence my, my uh like creative input has increased times a million whether it be like the fact that like now that I'm touring six to eight months out of the year, like I'm witnessing all these different bands and like learning from them or whether it be just like meeting new friends and having different like music, music suggestions from 30 years ago, blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? Like it, like, Mm -hmm. like right now, like my main influence is movie scores. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it's uh, Mm -hmm. like my, my, it's definitely ever evolving, but, um, at the time, it was a lot of. I mean, I definitely was interested in the concept of a concept record, like like Black Parade. My chem was. This is gonna sound crazy, but it was introduced to me 
three or four years ago. Like, like I didn't grow up. I didn't grow up with that record. Our guitarist Cameron showed me that record. Like we, we, we used to, we used to work together and like on, on our drive to work, he'd, he'd show me that record and I'd be like, holy shit, this is kind of crazy. Obviously like yeah, that's interesting. American idiot was huge. Another one that was huge, which is not as obvious as those ones probably is, um, the monitor by Titus Andronicus was like my favorite record of all time for like that makes sense a long time yeah that that, that, that was, does make sense that's like obviously it's still up there but like that was like my holy grail for like the longest time was the monitor uh i listened to a lot of what was i listening to uh, this band called granddaddy i don't do you like granddaddy mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah granddaddy they're like they're, one, they're like one of my favorite bands i feel like on lp3 their influence will be more uh, obvious than on the cosmic those figures but yeah i, I definitely started against them do you see yourself like moving away from pop punk entirely at any point for prince daddy specifically or do you think it's always going to be there Could, do you feel like because i struggle like myself because i i grew up on similar music to you and i feel like it's always going to be there in my music i feel like i mean like i'm not making any plans or anything you know like, like I, I i i definitely take a lot of uh relief in the fact that like i feel like prince daddy has established themselves as a band that can like that uh, like the people who listen to us know that we're never going to release the same record twice you know Mm -hmm. however i also feel like that's like in my blood you know like even if Mm -hmm. i were to start like scoring movies or something like some tips and tricks i you i learned from like billy joe or something like will find will bleed their way out you know what i'm saying like like it'll be there it's just like part of my identity at this point i feel like because like i don't know you can't change your formative years it's there no matter what even if even if your interests change that those years are still there yeah absolutely it's wild i catch myself like like writing melodies that are actually from like a Hoobastank song that I didn't right. even listen to, that I didn't even like, was, I wasn't even into it as a kid, like consciously into it, but because it was so present, you know, on the radio or whatever, like that does like leak in to yeah. songwriting now. It's yeah, like, absolutely. What the fuck? It, it, there's, there's a certain bleed there where it's like, I didn't even think I was influenced by this, but I guess like it's there, you know, that, that yeah, is, that is definitely a real thing. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes it's like the most subtle thing that is. You gotta be careful, <laughs> kids. You gotta be careful what you're exposed to because you might hit. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you might find Hoobastank in your song 20, 20 years later. You know? There's there's um, a direct rip. Honestly, this one is pretty fucking direct, and I'm just gonna be transparent. There's a direct Taylor Swift rip on. Um, I thought I didn't like leaving. That's great. Yeah. Taylor Swift is awesome. I've been trying to like catalog whenever I catch myself like repurposing a melody from a song. I used to like try to avoid it. And if I caught myself doing it, I would trash, you know, throw away the melody and try to come up with something else. But these days I just go with it. What? Like, I, like, like accidentally, like, like, like a transparent, like influence. Yeah. Like if it's like, oh, this melody is from this other song. I go with it now instead of right in the past where I try to avoid doing that. Yeah, I mean, like it's I, like, I, I go with everything it, comes also, from somewhere, you know. Yeah, I try if I catch it and specifically know the song. I'll, I've, I've started a playlist of the songs, songs that you've are, ripped. Like, 
yeah yeah <laughs> hell yeah i think if you have like a really good ear you can probably go through and be like oh that is from that song i know? mean like there's like at least three melodies on cosmic thrill seekers that are like a a a, a brainchild of strange ranger and Oso. so <laughs> oh, <yes. laughs> Uh, so how did how is how did you feel about the like release of Cosmic Thrill Seekers and the response and all that? Phenomenally, honestly, like I, leading up to it and writing it, like I, even writing it, I was like so anxious that like no one heard any of those songs until I was done writing the entire like all like thirteen, fourteen tracks. Like no one heard those songs. But and obvi- so obviously leading up to the release of the actual record, I was fucking shit and bricks i was like holy shit like i don't know like i it's definitely a more vulnerable record than the first mm-hmm. than what i feel like prince daddy listeners are used to mm-hmm. so i was i was kind of freaking out a little bit but uh the response was overwhelmingly positive i think and um it definitely brought me some validation and some confidence as a songwriter to kind of ensure that whatever comes next doesn't have any, I mean, not to say that did, but just like the fact that that didn't and it received such a positive response kind of helped me build the confidence to know that, um, to not consider those outside like influences when, when, when writing future releases, you know, like, like I don't need to consider whether, pitchfork will review my record i don't need to consider whether this label will sign my band or this band will take me on tour like i don't need to consider that anymore i I can just kind of write the music that uh feels that that comes out you know and then release the record that i want to release and and at the very least there will be kids out there who who are receptive of it and that that was a big 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 huge deal to me honestly that rules yeah did you see anthony fantana mentioned you guys yeah, I did see that, and it seemed honestly pretty positive. Yeah, it was surprisingly positive. Yeah, like Not- like besides like I th- I th- he his one complaint was my voice, and like obviously I get that. You know what I'm saying? My voice my voice can be polarizing to people. I get that. So the fact that he was like so positive about the record, besides that, was like kind of crazy to me. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a dream come true to me. Yeah, that was... If it was me. I remember I was at Jade from Oso's house, and he showed me that. I didn't even see it yet, and he showed me. And I was like, damn, this actually is not making me feel as bad as I thought I was going to feel right now. Yeah, he was, like, really respectful of, like, your fans and stuff, too. Yeah, it was it was really, really cool. He did, like... You're referring to, like, that, like, little, like, short interview thing he did, right? Yeah. It I mean, the like, short review. Yeah, like, he didn't, like, uh, you know, the why you didn't review this album. Yeah video type yeah thing. that was really I, I was like i was very very content with that i have i have no complaints like the fact that his only complaint was my voice is like dude that makes perfect sense like 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 an average music listener would be turned off by my voice i get that thankfully now i have a vocal coach now though baby suck it fantano really? yeah just kidding though don't suck it fantano you rock <laughs> who's your vocal coach uh, it's this guy, Mitch. He's actually the guy who, um, you know that band Pup? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when the dream is over came out? That whole story behind that? How like, no. 
so like the doc he like fucked up his voice from yelling and shit too much in the in the uh in in the doctor was the dream is over that quote i guess came from the doctor telling him that like it's like you gotta stop singing like it's over like you're done you're done kid you're done kid and um he hired this guy and this guy saved his career i guess so, so as as the story like as the, as the story is told publicly at least and um a couple months ago um scoops i think we talked about scoops earlier in this i think he suggested getting a vocal coach so i don't damage my voice because i'm always screaming as well that that's like my uh-huh. main my main form of uh vocal expression is yelling mm-hmm. into a microphone mm-hmm. and uh he's like i don't want you to fuck up your voice because this is like you're living now so you should probably look we should we should look into this for you and i was like okay i'll look into it kind of bullshitting him because i was like fuck that i'm not getting a vocal coach <laughs> yeah that shit's stupid yeah so uh yeah like i put it aside and then literally within the next 24 hours I follow the singer of Pup on Instagram and he posts a picture of his vocal coach being like, Hey, this guy gives Skype lessons. He saved my career, blah, blah, blah. And I took a screenshot and sent it to scoops. And I was like, yo, I, I honestly wasn't gonna like pursue this at all until I saw this, but check this out. And he's like, fuck dude, just fucking do it. And I've been, um, me and him have been doing Skype lessons like once a week and it's been going great. Cool. Does it make a difference? I would love I would love to think so. I I I I definitely think so. Like a lot of um I mean, for LP3 right now, like there is like legit probably like 25 30 songs written. Uh-huh. So, but uh I'd say like 30 like 50% of those songs aren't there's no yelling in them. There's like falsettos oh, wow. and singing and stuff well, like that. Well, I guess that kind of makes sense. You can hear that. You can start to hear that on Cosmic Thrills. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, d- I definitely parts. start to explore that. I'm just a lot less confident in it. It like, sounds good, dude. You should do some more like that. I appreciate it a lot. Like, I really do because I'm definitely working on it now. But, like, at the time, like, when I wrote those songs, they, like, if you were to hear the demos, like, I'm screaming in the demos. But, like, Scoops is, like... Yo, try this, try this, and then I'd hes- yeah. I'd hesitantly try that in the studio, and I'd be like, "Okay, fuck, this sounds kind of cool," but like you I'm never confident you, in it. You know what I'm you saying? Know whose vo- voice you remind yours reminds me of is one of my favorite singers of all time, Burt McCracken from The Used. Oh shit! Interesting. I never really listened listen to, them. to them. I never. I not really. I know. The only reason I know The Used honestly is because their drummer joined Rancid, and I oh, loved Rancid. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, you should check out the used self-titled uh, album. Their first album. It's you'll. I think you'll really like it. His voice sounds like mine. Like yeah. when I'm mm-hmm. doing the Corey screamy voice, or it sounds like mine when I'm like attempting to. Uh, Both. Ec- okay. Both. Cool. Yeah. Sweet. Right on. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So is there like any type of thought about when the next LP three is gonna come out? Like, is it just super early baby stages? What's up with it? Um. I don't want to give too much away, but I will, I'm definitely open to talk about it because it's been my life for a long time and I'm really excited about it. Um, it's definitely still baby stages, but like I said, I do that weird thing where I like have the record written before I have the songs written. 
And mm. uh, so, yeah, obviously, considering I have so many songs written, the record is written. And um, it's, let's just say if a bad acid trip was my catalyst for writing Cosmic Thrill Seekers, uh, a life-altering car accident was my catalyst for writing this record. And Bruh. it's, <laughs> and it's, um, it's not about that. It's not about a car accident, but, uh, it's about what could have happened if that car accident went a little bit differently. I feel like you're thinking of your records like movies. I'm, I, th- I think of it like, like I feel you, I, honestly, you more than like anyone know that I, I am very passionate about my movies. Me and you uh-huh. follow each other on Letterbox. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> ask about Letterbox. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I definitely, definitely think of things. Uh, I definitely have a cinematic approach to things because I feel like, as far as like my creative intake, I feel like it's equal parts music, equal parts film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you been? What have you been watching lately? Do you? What have you been watching lately? And what's your favorite movies? Top three um, or top four? Because since that's letterboxed, you gotta have the top four. <laughs> <laughs> My letterboxed ones are probably inaccurate, but I'll try to answer that. What have I been watching lately? I since quarantine, I've been like really like diving deep into the um, the the scoring world. And mm-hmm. as far as uh, movie, like original soundtracks go, my favorite stuff is like cheesy electronic 80s stuff, like John Carpenter stuff. So oh, I've been yeah. I've been trying to like revisit stuff like that. And um, like Vangela's Blade Runner, like shit like that has been huge for me. And like, I know obviously I'm talking about music again right now, but like that that's that's kind of pushed me towards watching certain things to get to get inspiration to keep working on this shit. The Blade uh-huh. Runner soundtrack was a huge thing. Um, it follows as a huge movie that it's great ins- one. inspired me to start writing this kind of music. Um, recently, the, the I can tell you. Hold on, let me open up my letterbox real quick. Yeah, um, I'm pulling up mine too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've definitely stuck with the '80s vibe, but I've been trying to go for like more. Um, more B movies than like blockbusters, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, we, me and Fred had a string of horror film nights, and uh, we started with Halloween. Hell yes, that's a big we, one. We watched um, Basket Case, which is one of my oh, all time favorites. Yes. Is that the it's one, one with that? Movies. That's the little fucking like the his he little like, deformed brother that he carries around in, in, a, basket. in a basket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Great, yeah. great, great movie. I love that movie. Yeah. Um my most recent string has been a movie called Okay. <laughs> okay, so The Stuff. I don't know if you ever heard of that movie, but the I watched stuff. The Stuff. It was a great movie. It was a it was like a B80s horror sci-fi flick. Um I watched the night before that I watched um this movie called Chopping Mall. Shopping mall. Like shopping mall. Like shopping mall. Except shopping. shopping. 
Yeah. That sounds it, like a trauma movie title or something. That's honestly what it felt. It felt like a trauma movie, honestly. Uh, and then before that, I watched a movie called Videodrome. Videodrome? Videodrome. That, honestly, out of those three, that was the best one. Videodrome was really cool. Uh, Debbie Harry from... Uh, Blondie. I've heard about Videodrome. Blond, the, the singer of Blondie was an act was, was like the the leading actress in that movie. It was really good. That was the only That's one it. out of those that are like, you know how like, I feel like you know this. You know how like, movies can suck, but they can still be your favorite movies of all time. Yes. You know, like 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 these B movies, like you know they suck, but like that's just your vibe, and like you fuck with it, you know. Yeah, totally. I mean, Vid- that's how I feel about a lot of stuff that I'm right. into. <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, me too. Especially with movies, like like my vibe is like shitty. Be like my to to answer your question, to answer your other question, like my my favorite movies of all time are the Evil Dead franchise. You know what I'm saying? The what? Evil Dead? The Evil Dead franchise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Evil Dead 2. Evil Dead 1 is amazing. I'd say Evil Dead 2 is like probably like my number one. Like, it changes. They're it def- all, they're it all definitely really changes, good. but like Evil Dead 2 is probably like my like... When someone asked me that question, my like stock answer is Evil Dead 2 because it just like encap- it like captures my, my vibe as far as like what I desire in a movie more than any other movie, I feel like. But... uh You like, like the comedy... <laughs> angle of it or i do i i I, i'm not limited to that like i i I like the scary 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 shit too Uh but but i feel like i definitely drift towards like the wackier zanier like uh like my favorite slasher is my favorite like killer of all the slashers is like freddy you know because he gets like fucking stupid like i i like i like how like stupid and zany it can get nightmare on elm street one is sick it's so good. It's so fucking good. And also, Nightmare. Have you ever seen three Dream Warriors? Uh uh-uh, uh, no. Dude, honestly, Maybe I'd say I that. Add that. That's number one on my nightmare list. Dream Warriors is, is the best list. Nightmare on Elm Street movie, in my opinion. I love that movie. But yeah, I, I like the comedy aspect. I like the campiness. I like, I like, I like, I like shit that like kind of almost deconstructs the genre a little bit. Like. You ever seen like Cabin in the Woods or like Scream or shit like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like shit like that a lot. Like that—that's my vibe. I I like when they're, fuck- they're self-aware. I feel like I probably asked you this the last time we talked about movies, but do you fuck with found footage stuff at all? You did ask me this actually last time. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> when, like when we were hanging out at your crib in, in Philly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I do. I I have not seen a lot. I've seen. LOL action. <laughs> I've seen uh uh-huh. I've seen Wreck, which funny enough has been remade in American and it's called Quarantine. Yep. And maybe uh, I should damn, we should watch we all need to watch Quarantine. Yeah, we all need to watch Quarantine. <laughs> damn, I, I like I can't believe I, I didn't think of that. I like those Wreck movies a lot. I like Okay, you're gonna laugh at me for this one. I know for a fact you're gonna laugh at me because I know it's a shitty, shitty, shitty opinion. But for some uh-huh. reason, based on when it came out and like the marketing campaign for it and stuff, Cloverfield is one of my favorite movies of all time. That is pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that movie. I don't know why. I love Cloverfield. It, it has a special yeah. place in my heart for some weird reason. Me and my friends went to see it after smoking weed as teenagers. And um, yeah, it just made me kind of dizzy. 
It was I knew too you were going to say something like that. I knew you were going to say it like, give you a headache theater. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah I love the concept of it, but um, yeah. Have yeah, J.J. Abrams. Oh, the host, dude. I love the Speaking host. Speaking of monster movies like that. I love the host. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The host is a great yeah. movie. Have you seen Parasite? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that I movie, it. too. That's the same guy, right? Same guy directed those yeah. movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Memories I, of Murder is one of my top favorite movies. He also did... What is it called? Memories of Murder. Me and Isaac both love that movie. Damn, I haven't seen that one. It's from... Yeah, it's from the director of Parasite and the host. You should check it out. I Damn, think I'm very it's interested. It's one of my top favorite movies ever. I mean, those, those two movies, Parasite and Host, are like two of the most impressive movies I've ever seen, so I'm definitely interested. Were you about to say something about J.J. Abrams? I cut you off. Um, if not, it's fine. We can... I don't want to take up your entire night here. Oh, no. Um, I, I, I have... Dude, what do you think I'm doing tonight? <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I have nothing to do. Uh, I, yeah. I, However, I cannot think of what I was referring to as far as J.J. Abrams, to be totally honest. But... That's not because you're taking up my time. I, I am free. For, sure. I, I, you can take up as much of my time as you want. All right. Well, I got a couple little bullet points left here. For sure. Um, we're also friend beyond, besides being friends on Letterboxd, we're also friends on PlayStation Network. It's true. <laughs> I it think. Very tr- I, th- I, th- I believe we are, yeah. Have you been playing any games this quarantine? Um. Yes. I, I downloaded... The Call of Duty released like their like Fortnite thing for free, which yeah. is which is cross platform, which was like huge because that means all my friends who I can't hang out with in real life, I can kill people with virtually. Uh, and dude, it looks really fun. It's pretty fun, honestly. Like it is fun. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna front, but I just fucking like I've lost my touch with first person shooters. Like like yeah, b- back here. back yeah. in middle school, like I would say like I was like actually good and could hold my own against like hella good people but like now it's like it's not that i don't like them like i think they're sick i just like can i don't know what happened like i just i just am not as good at them anymore so so like when i play i i usually try to like pick and choose and be selective who i play with out of my friends and only pick the ones who suck so i don't feel like a piece of shit when i play that game but uh um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I get stressed out doing multiplayer first-person shooter competitively. Yeah. Um, and then I've also been, like, too brain-poisoned by RPGs to do the single-player campaigns. Because, like, I need there to be loot to pick up, and I want my guy to level up. You know? <laughs> and I want to I see damage definitely... numbers when I attack something. <laughs> so, like, the single-player portion of most first-person shooters doesn't fulfill me. I, you know? f- I feel that... To an extent, but I also feel like the single player is where I've been thriving lately, like, at night. Like, let's say, like, I'm done for the night in the stew and I'm heading up. I mean, they're going to watch a movie or play a video game, right? And I feel like most time, more times than not, I'm playing a single player video game. I just beat, um, funny enough, actually, it's my first ever Resident Evil game. I just beat Resident Evil S- Seven, I think it is. Biohazard. The first person one. The first person one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah uh-huh. I loved it. I loved it. It reminded That's me it. a lot of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and I like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That was a a really fun game to beat. I'm probably gonna just run through that again. Uh, today, actually, as of today, this morning, before 
before me and you connected, I started a new file in Metroid Prime. Really? Yes, and I'm very excited about it because I've actually, funny enough, never beat that game before, and I feel like yeah, now's I, the I, time I, I to do it. I never played it. I only, I'd, I'd be interested in playing it though. I actually just got the Dolphin emulator set up. The Dolphin GameCube emulator for GameCube and Wii, like a GameCube emulator. Oh, on a computer. I thought I thought that was a weird way of you of you referring to Echo the Dolphin. <laughs> no, no, yeah. Speaking of Metroid, I'm playing Echo the Dolphin. No. Yeah, I just got like uh, yeah the GameCube emulator thing set up, so maybe I should play. Maybe now's the time. You should honestly like for most. I I like I'm not gonna front like it was like. I know for most people that's like a classic game, but for me, like I I first played that game like a year ago. So like it's never too late. I, I I first played that game a year ago and I definitely fell in love, but I fell off somehow. Something else got in the way. Probably Red Dead Redemption Two, honestly. Did you have games growing up? Oh yeah. Oh, uh, that's all I did. I didn't have any friends. I just had games. What consoles did you have as a kid? Uh, N sixty four. The very early, early, early stages. That was like my first like formative console, and then. My, like, main ones that I consider, like, you know, like, identifying factors of who I am as a human would be uh, GameCube and PS2. Those are the big ones for me. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I'm, all, I'm all in for Sony, even as I was a kid. But I, I got my Nintendo fix from friends, mostly. Like, go over to my friend's house to play N64 or GameCube It's a different crowd, you know? Like, our guitarist, like, my like my best friend Cameron, he, uh, he's a Sony kid, too. And he, he like, for some reason just does not fuck with N- Nintendo products. Like, he tries. He just, like, doesn't, yeah. he doesn't get it. He, he, like, I don't know. He doesn't get Mario. I, he doesn't, he, the only thing he gets is, uh, he likes Star Fox. Star Fox is like the one thing he's like, okay, this is cool. But besides that, it's like Kirby, well, Mario, Zelda. Badass. It's like this shit. This shit. he's like, I'd rather be playing Last of Us or like Uncharted or something right now. Like, he, but yeah, it. I I didn't start appreciating Nintendo again until like a couple years ago, really. But I did have the original NES as a child. Like that was yeah. my first, very first system, and I liked it a lot. But then yeah, I went to PlayStation after that, and then kind of stopped liking Nintendo. As a you know, as a young adult, so teenager, I'm assuming you don't like, have a Switch, right? No, but I would love one. I'd love to have one because these days I do appreciate Nintendo a lot. I don't know if I would play Mario. Like that's not Mario why I have a Switch. My... I have a Switch for Breath of the Wild. Yeah, I would. I love Breath of the Wild, and uh, yeah, there are definitely some Nintendo games that I really enjoy, and I appreciate Mario as like a character. I just don't know if I'd play the game. Right. And I also don't like Smash Bros. Oof, I love Smash Bros. There are people like that though. Uh, there's de- you're I definitely love not alone. Fighter. Street Fighter's cool. I'm um, big. I'm big into Street Fighter and like Mortal Kombat's uh, other... cool. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. You're right though. There's something like some people are either, either or. You know. Yeah. Some people are it, it or. definitely. There's a certain like simplicity to Nintendo products that I don't think Microsoft and Sony has. So I think it's a little polarizing. I feel like maybe to certain, you know, they are more kitty, you know, they are more like cartoony and bright colors. Yeah, absolutely. They're definitely more like colorful and, and less like, you know, like call of duty, you know? Yeah. I'd love to have a switch though. 
Um, all right, so let's, uh, I, you know, earlier I did ask on my social media accounts if anybody had questions for you. Mm -hmm. And uh, Was there any responses? Let's just, let's just see. Um, let's just see. Why not? Ryan from Michigan asked. I think I might know Ryan. Ask me to ask deal or no deal. What's Ryan's handle? Uh, Amen Breakfast, maybe? I wonder if this is the Ryan. You know, I'm sure of. you know him. He's the really tall kid from Michigan. Does he go by Ryan Sadwallader? Yes. Yeah. Uh -huh. Oh, no deal, Ryan. <laughs> no deal. Okay. <laughs> I figured that was probably some sort of inside thing. It's not, honestly. To be totally oh, honest, really? it's not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. Um, what was the, your best gig you ever played? That was from Scott. Uh, at Scott's Mahogany. Um, the first show, the first show following, the first show after CTS came out. So the first show of the CTS tour was at the Sinclair in Boston. I would say that's the show I look back on, and I'm like, holy shit, I I I, I can. Uh, die content now because i played that show that's the one pw shows are always wild i don't know how it could get more it, wild than dude, the average you want to know how it gets more wild than the average yeah we're not allowed uh, to play there anymore because it got so oh wild <laughs> and it's my Damn, favorite there, venue of all time is there a video of that uh i'm sure if you youtubed it there's 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 a couple songs there's a song or two it, it 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 like it got to a point when there was like literally like like a like okay both sides of the stage people hopping on the monitors and just like a constant rotation of stage divers to the point where it was just like a like rotisserie you know what i'm saying just like <laughs> just like people like waiting in line to jump off wow. the stage it was fuck it, it like it was to me that was like the most special thing of all time and my parents were there to see it too so it was just like Man, that's sick. sick. It, it was, it was, I look back on that and, and get goosebumps for sure that night. I mean, that whole tour was very special to me, but that night was the first of it. And it was just at my favorite venue of all time. And it was fucking absolutely off the walls. Fucking bonkers. Are you guys going to reschedule the tour that had to get canceled? That's our plan. I mean, obviously it's, it's very hard to say right now, but, um, yeah, all of us yeah, want I know to. I, I seen some bands, you know, like scheduling tours as soon as like uh, you know july or june and it's like i don't know yeah that, se that, 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 that seems too soon we rescheduled our like one of our one of the legs of that tour to june it's like at this point it's looking very bleak uh, to be transparent with y'all you know it's just yeah. like uh, it just seems like um yeah it's hard to gauge right now but like all of us want to and like yeah, and he, how i'm answering that question for anybody who asks is like simply put it's like let's say this tour did happen. That would have been the fourth time that tour happened. So realistically it's going to happen again. You know, like the right. Oso Oso mm -hmm. just friends P daddy lineup. Like even if that specific like route doesn't get rerouted, like get like realigned, it's that, 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 that collection of, of stupid ass human beings is going to collect <laughs> themselves again and play shows together again because yeah, that's, that's uh, yeah that's all yeah, like actually. immediate family and uh we don't re none of us like those 
through bands specifically like P Daddy, Oso, Just Friends, like we don't even fucking make decisions without consulting each other, you know? Like like we're we're mm-hmm. we're like immediate family. So like that that'll absolutely happen eventually, even if it's not this specific tour. Mm-hmm. You will yeah. see us play together in your city before. That's good. People yeah. just gotta be patient. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so question from Brody can't skate on Twitter. Brody, is, uh, best Joyce Manor album. They're legit one of the only bands I can't do that with because I think all of their records hold merit. Um, fuck. I want to answer it right now. I'd say this is a weird answer, but it's not me being edgy. It's me being honest. I'd say right now it's uh, of all things. I will soon grow tired. I like that record a lot. I I like sonically that record is like with that record or with that band. Uh, A little bit both. I mean, I know some Joyce Manor songs, but. I'm sure somebody online is going to have some words for you <laughs> after hearing that. That <laughs> record is just, I mean, I mean, like, like I said, like, like if you asked me tomorrow, that answer would probably be different, but like, um, I don't know. That record is just like very sonically diverse and interesting. Have and you played with them before? No, we have not. But when I was 15, the singer and the drummer snuck me into one of their 21 plus shows. And that was fucking uh, that was, and I was like a huge fan, so that was a huge, huge like thing for me. But also, their old the, that that drummer who was in the band at that point when I was like fifteen, sixteen, he's not in the band anymore, and he plays mm. in some of my friends' bands. So I'm friends with him. Like me and him are are kind of tight now. Like we we at least, um, you know, like we'll always play shows with each other when we're in each other's areas and stuff. So that's cool. But we have never played a show at Joyce Manor. I would love to. I think that Are would they high up there for you in terms of like bands that you want to tour with. Yes. Yeah. Especially as uh, I mean, yes, in general, a hundred percent, but especially as far as like realistic bands I want to tour with, you know, like there's bands like green day and like, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. you know, like smashing pumpkins or some shit that I'm like, fuck that. We still go to tour them or the killers or the strokes or something, you know, Mm-hmm. But there's also bands like Pup or Jeff Rosenstock or Joyce Manor where I'm like, fuck, it would be so cool to tour with them. And, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe it could happen, you know? You know, I always, I kind of wonder, like, why don't these huge bands that came from the bottom ever, like, reach back down after finding that level of success? And I wonder if there's a reason for it, if it's complacency or, like, some sort of, like, contractual weirdness or, like, like bands like, you know, like, Green Day or Foo Fighters or Jimmy Eat World or mm-hmm. like why don't they reach down to bands like at your guys level and like bring you on tour they never do that right? you know actually it's funny you say that um I mean first of all I agree like it would be cool if that was more common practice but I uh Green Day Billy Joe found out do you know that band Culture Reviews yeah uh huh yeah they're like a band like they're probably they're they're bigger than us, but like they're the same like circle, same same tier sure. of band. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the, Billy Joe found out about them, and they toured Europe together. I think, if I'm not mistaken, Billy Joe oh, was really? like, "I like this band a lot. Let's take them on tour." And they toured Europe together. Yeah, I th- I, I think I I'm 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 like 
75% sure that uh, that that information is correct which is fucking Maybe awesome do, do it once in a while i just am not paying attention yeah i th- i think it's <laughs> it seems... once in a while because like if i had to guess it's because like when a band like green aid is a tour it's like there's like so many people involved in that budget you know what i'm saying right. mm-hmm. like there's like mm-hmm. it's not just like billy joe mike and trey you know like it's like there's mm-hmm. like teams there's like six different yeah. teams probably yeah. involved in hundreds in, of people right potentially involved. Yeah. so like there, there's more to consider than just like this band's i like like i like this band you know what i'm saying i, th- I feel yeah. like there's probably there's probably more to consider than that when you're at that point because mm-hmm. like that that that's like like some stadium ass shit you know what i'm saying that that's yeah. that's huge that's big mm-hmm. yeah Someday Prince Daddy will be up there too. <laughs> On their own, they'll be reaching down to me. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> um, so I'm kind of winding down here. What do you have anything else you want to say? What's next for Prince Daddy? Like what? What's up? Um, I mean, obviously for now, th- th- everything's up in the air. Uh, I'm definitely writing more songs. I'm, I've our next record is definitely going to be your favorite Prince Daddy record, regardless of who you are. I feel like it's going to be the best aspects of our band done the best way possible. And as soon as what's up, are you going to get into game streaming? You're going to start streaming on Twitch. I think I suck too much to do anything like that, to be honest. Oh man. (laughs) I would watch. If anything, I'd get into like, I'd find a way to like make watching movies a stream, a comment like like, mm. like a mystery science theater three thousand kind of thing. That'd be cool. That I can picture I, myself doing. My friends and I watch movies together over the internet, but commentating over it would be a whole other thing. The only reason I I that's not like a that uh, that's not something I I like and like passionate about and want to make come to fruition. I just am passionate about movies. And I feel like if I were to like try to stay relevant and stay active, it would be, what's your letterboxd account. If anybody wants to follow you on Uh, that. Yeah. Good, good call. Good call. I definitely actively use weatherbox and my, it's actually just, uh, the Prince daddy Twitter. It's P daddy and the hyena. Or I think like on the account itself is corny boy, 69, (laughs) <laughs> I actively Queen. use that and update it as I um, as I watch movies. I, w- I will update that. Either put a review or put a star rating on there. Something. Hell yeah! I like and your ra- I like your reviews, dude. <laughs> I I always see them and I'm like, damn! I should be friends with. I should be better friends to- with them. <laughs> yeah, we gotta keep in touch after this, man. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I really appreciate 100%. you coming on here. You have my and number doing now. This with me. Of course, yeah. Doc. I I actually had a lot of fun. I appreciate you inviting me. Yeah, we'll have to do it again too. Maybe in a, maybe under different circumstances when quarantine is. Yeah. Feeling a little. You know more. When it's dying uh, down a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. I would love to. Honestly, anytime. All right, yeah, and uh, hit me up anytime. And um, fuck yes, thanks again, dude. Of course, dog. <laughs> <laughs>